You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Holy Spirit, would you come in this place? Would you meet with us? Or would you transform lives? Would you uh, call us to repentance? Would you deal graciously with us when uh, we aren't following in your ways? And God, would you draw us to yourself now? For it's in the name of Christ we pray all this. Amen. Um, so we've been having this discussion on the Holy Spirit, kind of moving through, uh, both looking at the history of the Holy Spirit through Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, seeing where the Spirit is moving, showing that the Holy Spirit is certainly, it's not just a New Testament thing. I think a lot of times some people get this uh, misconception that uh, the Holy Spirit only came at Pentecost. That was a pouring out of the Holy Spirit, certainly at Pentecost, but we see that the Holy Spirit was very present in the Old Testament uh, from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 when the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the earth. There's the Holy Spirit present with us. The Trinity was very present in and throughout all of Scripture. And then we looked at uh, the Holy Spirit in our own personal lives and how the Holy Spirit begins to transform and move in us and shape us and mold us, uh, pouring out the, the gifts of the Spirit. And so the gifts of the Spirit uh, being uh, a multitude of things that the Scripture gives us that, uh, that we are to uh, all um, embrace and that we all have different gifts of the Spirit. And so if you didn't hear that discussion, I'd love for you to go back and hear that. We, uh, I don't, we don't have a lot of time to go back and, and dive into all of it, but I do hope and pray that one of the things that would come out of this was that would be that you do really kind of come in tune with the Holy Spirit to see what is my gift? What is the gift of the Holy Spirit um, that has been given to me so that you might use that for the glory of the Lord and for the building up of God's church in the kingdom? Uh, and so if you don't know what that is, you likely are not using your gift if you don't know what it is. And if you find out what it is and you find I'm not using my gift like I should be, and come talk to me. Let's see how we can use your gift for, uh, the, again, the building up of the kingdom of God. And then last week we looked at uh, the Holy Spirit in worship and liturgy and had a really good discussion about the Holy Spirit moving in our worship and moving in our hearts in the midst of worship. And so today uh, we're looking at the Holy Spirit in our city and beyond. Um, I uh, came back to Alabama I, as as you may have heard uh, me say in one of our first times, I grew up in Alabama, North Alabama, um, moved away when I went to seminary, ended up staying in Orlando, Florida for 13 years and then moved back to Alabama uh, about five and a half years ago. And um, in that moving back, I always had this draw to come back to Alabama. I didn't, it wasn't just because there was a comfort there. It was, I really felt like uh, this is where God wanted me to uh do ministry. And I didn't know what that looked like, and I didn't know how that was going to happen. God brought me back. Uh, and then I do believe that God has given me a vision for what it looks like to see the kingdom of God grow in the state of Alabama. I have a heart for Alabama because, again, this is my home. This is where I grew up. And I think that uh, really and truthfully, uh, you know, I, I take to heart where Jesus says a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. And I think there's a reason I don't live in Fort Payne, Alabama. Uh, <laughs> But, um, but at the same time, I do believe that, uh, that God does give us a heart for uh, the, 
the city and he should give us a heart for the city and beyond and so i want to talk just a little bit about that today and what that might look like and our jumping off point for that is going to be acts chapter 10 looking at cornelius and um and his household and the experience that came to cornelius and the household as the spirit came upon them and how that manifested itself not only in his home but as it permeated throughout that city and beyond. And so uh, the vision that, that I believe the Lord has given me for the city of Alabama is that we, or the state of Alabama, is that we would see the Holy Spirit move and awaken and renew uh, hearts and lives of people. And uh, if we're just being brutally honest about, um, about the Bible Belt state of Alabama, we all know that there's a lot of people who are churched in Alabama, uh, I think just recently, however, some trends have changed. I think Barna in the last two years released that uh, right now in the state of Alabama, where you would probably expect about 75% of the people to have some sort of church affiliation, Barna just recently released that only 51% in the state of Alabama have church affiliation or religious affiliation, uh, which likely means that it's, um, it's probably less than that. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people will say, "Yeah, I go to church," and what they mean by that is I show up on Easter and Christmas, and we call those CEOs, right? Christmas and Easter only. Um, they they come, and but that's their affiliation, and we love those people, and we want them to come, and we want them to hear God's word on those day, but but we also want them to to be involved and engaged with the kingdom of God all year long. And so um, so I do think we're starting to see trends change in our city and in our state. And so what does it look like for the Holy Spirit then to go into those hearts and lives of people who, uh, for, for lack of better terminology, I would say are cultural Christians. They've grown up around the church. They know the lingo. If you tell somebody in the state of Alabama or you ask somebody in the state of Alabama, who is Jesus, they could probably give you some sort of answer of who Jesus is. Uh, it may be off track, but at least they've heard Jesus most of the time. Uh, and, and so um, how then do we reawaken the Spirit of God to work in hearts and lives of people? And I think we begin to see some of this in the book of Acts in chapter 10. And so Peter and Cornelius... I want to just walk through this kind of whole text. We don't have a, a, the we don't have enough time to get all the way through chapter ten, and I do have to be on time today, by the way, because um, I have to be at the eleven o'clock service. So uh, don't let me go over. Uh, I keep going over, but we're going to get there. So uh, Acts chapter ten, Peter and Cornelius. I want to start just in, in chapter or chapter ten, verse one, and kind of give us the background here. And so at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. So let's stop there for a minute. What do we know about Cornelius just from looking at that? He's faithful, right? He knows God. I mean, he, he's praying to God. He feared God. It says he, he, gave, his, he gave his offering, right? He gave the alms. Um, he gave to the people generously. He prayed continually. And so from, from the outward appearance of Cornelius, it looks as though Cornelius is in relationship with the Lord. I mean, from all outward accounts, he's got a relationship with God. And so 
We Then, and in verse 3, At about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come and say to him, Cornelius. And he, start, he, he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a, more, as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He's lodging with one Simon a tanner, has a house by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related, relayed everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. And so a vision comes to Cornelius. Another reason why I believe we, we have the Lord working in Cornelius' life. Um, we, we see that Cornelius is walking with the Lord and then he is given a vision of the Lord saying, hey, all those prayers, all those things that you have continued to do and be faithful with, I hear them. They've ascended to me. Now I want you to go and find Peter, this guy, Simon Peter. Why would that be the case? Well, we find out here in just a minute. Uh, Peter has a vision. We won't have to, I don't, I don't want to read the whole thing for, but, but Peter basically has a vision to rise and eat and kill and of course, in good Jewish context, Peter was not supposed to eat uh, the certain types of meat. And so, uh, in this in this store or in this vision, Peter says, "By no means, Lord, I've never eaten anything that's uncommon or unclean." And so, he Peter kind of has this discussion with God, even though God's given him a vision or a dream. You go eat, kill, and um, and Peter says, "No, no, 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 I can't do that." Well, he gives it to him multiple times. And finally, Peter says, okay, I don't know what to do with that. And then, lo and behold, who shows up? But the people that Cornelius sent to come and grab Peter. And now Peter's starting to connect the dots here. What did they think was unclean? Gentiles. Cornelius and his family. That would have been unclean. That would have been, there's no way I can go to this man. And so God makes it very clear to Peter and I love verse uh, 15 where he says, What God has made clean, do not call common. In other words, God can work in the lives of anybody that he wants to work in. And that would be the mantra of the disciples. That was certainly Jesus' ministry. He worked in people that were, I mean, Peter of all people. You know, he was a, he was a fisherman. And he messed up all the time. He stuck his foot in his mouth nonstop as he walked with Jesus. And yet Jesus chose to use Peter to do some great and powerful things throughout the, the history of the first century church. So Peter gets this, he's perplexed. And then he, in verse 34, Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened through all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. And so Jesus go, or Peter goes and he proclaims the good news to Cornelius. Now, this is interesting here for just a moment. What do we learn about Cornelius at the very beginning? He, he's faithful. He knew God. He, he knows of, of God and he gives alms. But what do we see here that he didn't quite get? 
a relationship with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. Again, our city. Think about it in the context of our city. How many people know of God? Oh yeah, I know of God. Maybe they even write a good check on Sunday morning and drop it in the offering plate. Maybe they help good, uh, maybe they're good to people. And all those things, please don't mishear that, all those things are good. And they're, 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 they're right things to do. But what we see in the, the statement of Peter going to Cornelius is, hey, you got part of it, but you're missing something. And I want to show you the rest of it. I want to show you the part that you don't have, that you're worshiping and you're faithful in what you know, but here's what you're missing. If you skip down to verse 44. And while Peter was still saying these things, so Peter preached a sermon to the family of Cornelius. He's making sure, hey, God called me to be here. I'm going to give you the truth of the gospel. I'm going to tell you what it means to know Jesus and to know the Holy Spirit, that God was raised from the dead on the third day, and He fills us with the Holy Spirit, and the forgiveness of sins can be yours. And so what we also see in Cornelius' life at the very beginning is that he was a devout man. He feared God. He gave alms and he prayed continually. And so doesn't it sound like, and we're going to make some holy speculations here, so don't take this out of context, but it seems really like Cornelius has got the motions down. He's got the, he's, he's figured out the things, but it may be that they're empty. Maybe he was taught from an early age, you need to honor God. Or you need to, to, to pray to God. And so he's doing all that he's been taught. And certainly God hears that. So we don't want to take that away. We don't want to take away that God hears the prayers of this Gentile man. But some clarity comes with Peter. And what happens is, is while Peter was still saying these things on verse 44, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. Why were they amazed? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. (gasps) How dare it happen? (laughs) I mean, this is what Jesus had said. It's for everybody, right? That this message is for all who would believe. And so while Cornelius was... Uh, I've heard some commentators say it's Cornelius was worshiping God as though he had a veil on. He couldn't see all of it for all it was worth because nobody had ever told him because he was a Gentile. And so why would we tell a Gentile about the Holy Spirit and the moving of the Holy Spirit and the awakening of what it looks like to be forgiven of your sins instead of just going through some motions and hoping that it's good enough? Now, again, we're speculating a little bit, but we can we can really draw some conclusions here that the moment that Cornelius and his family heard the gospel. They heard Jesus preach. They heard forgiveness of sins. They heard Holy Spirit, the, how the Holy Spirit was to be poured out upon them. And it says, it happened. It fell on them. The Holy Spirit, I, I don't want to say it. He fell. Holy Spirit's a he. He fell on him and all those who heard the word. And so there's some sort of transforming power that happens when we hear the gospel and God moves in our hearts. Translate that to our city and to our state. What does it mean for us then to be proclaiming the Holy Spirit and to bring about, to pray for the Holy Spirit in our own city, in our own neighborhood, in our own state for those who maybe are going through the motions? 
I've met many of neighbors who, if you really get down to it, they would say, I think I believe in Jesus, but I'm not real sure. And that's right here in Alabama. And so what are they missing? They're missing the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of being set free. The beauty of the Holy Spirit coming in power and transforming their lives and saying, hey, you don't have to miss it. And when you are missing it, you're missing something really good. And so I want you to have it. But Peter had to obey. He had to go. He had to go to the places where he thought, "Ah, I don't even want to go over there. They're Gentiles. I don't want to go into that place. I don't want to do what you're telling me to do, God. They experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, and the circumcised believers were astonished, amazed at how God would move. And look at what happens. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Question mark. That was a question. And he commanded them. I think it was a rhetorical question, by the way. Peter was not looking for somebody to argue with him or to, to, to refuse this. He was saying, hey, no way that we're refusing baptism. They've got the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit and baptism go together, so let's, let's baptize them. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked him to remain for some days. And so the entire household of Cornelius, experiencing the Holy Spirit, were baptized. They were converted right there. And so what was some, some faithfulness of Cornelius and the prayers and the giving of alms has now been moved to another level where they're saying, now I'm in relationship with Jesus and now I'm in relationship with the Holy Spirit and I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to work in my life. I love people who, who are willing and, and are already saying, hey, I know about God. Those are, the, those are my favorite people that are, we call them uh, agnostics. They don't deny God, but they have an acknowledgement of God. And we can say, okay, let's talk about that. That's exactly where I think Cornelius was. He knew there was a God. He was faithful to what he knew. But all it took was the gospel being preached in his life. And he said, oh, now I get it. Now I want it all. Give it to me. And he began to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They were speaking in tongues. They are extolling God. They're doing things that they never thought possible in the life of a Gentile. You see other things happening in Acts as well. They were released to praise. Um, they asked him, and that's, that's what I get here in verse 48, after they commanded them to baptize in the name of Jesus, then they asked him to remain for a certain number of days and this spontaneous praise begins to burst out of them. Hey, stay here. We want more of what you got, Peter. We want you to teach us more of what you got. We want to encounter the Holy Spirit like we've never encountered before because now we've opened the tap and just let it flow. What would it look like in our city if we have a heart to see that happen? It's not just going to happen without us being faithful. I think the gospel passage today, and I just preached about it in, in the refectory service, the gospel passage today is Jesus saying that very same thing. That, yes, there's trees that have been planted, but a lot of trees are not bearing fruit. And so he would say, cut it down. But no, there's the patience of God that says, wait, let me dig around it, put manure on it, make it, let me, let me try to get fruit out of it. That's the calling, I believe, that God has called us to through the power of the Holy Spirit in our city, in our neighborhoods, in our state. 
It is the the living into the Spirit moving in us in such a way that we're not afraid, that we have no fear, that we would say, hey, I've got something and I just want to share with you. It's that phrase of it's one beggar showing another beggar where the bread is, right? So this is what this is what Peter comes to Cornelius and says, hey, watch what can happen when you really know about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We have a call to our city. We have, and, and if we as, a, as the church have a vision for our city to be transformed, it can't just happen in the walls of our church. It can't just happen, yes, prayer is absolutely critical that we pray for people. But then there's an action, there's a call to action that has to happen. One of the things that is my fear, can I draw on this? Is there something to draw with? Maybe not. Okay, I don't know where a marker is. But anyway, I'll, I'll try to paint the, the illustration for you. Let's say I have a stool up here. And this stool uh, has three legs on it. And it's a three-legged stool that the le- each leg represents something. One leg is knowledge. One leg is sharing. And one leg is obedience. What I find oftentimes in my own life, and I'll, just, I'll speak personally, is that I'm really good at the knowledge side of things. I'm really good at reading a book. I'm really good at going to a Sunday school class or attending church and hearing the Word of God being preached. And that is absolutely critical piece to that stool. But where I often lack, which makes me incomplete as a, as a, a fruitful Christian, is that I often lack sharing and obedience. Because in Jesus' command, it wasn't just to baptize. It was to go and to teach them to obey everything I have commanded. So we gain knowledge so that we can go and share and so that we can be obedient to God. That's what I believe it's going to take in our city to see our city transformed. I would dare say that all of you in this room have enough knowledge of Jesus that you could go out today and talk to somebody who has never heard Jesus and say, hey, can I tell you about the one who saved me? Can I tell you about the one who's changed my life? When we're not doing that, then we're expecting our knowledge to be stored up and we pray for things and yet God's saying, I'm the one that wants to use you. So what does it look like? We go boldly, just as Peter did. You don't have to wait for a vision to get up and kill and eat. You don't have to wait for uh, a dream to happen. We've been given that call. And so that with the Holy Spirit moving and working, then, and, and I think the more we allow the Holy Spirit to move and to, and to permeate who we are, and the more we enter into worship and the more we draw near to God through worship and the Holy Spirit, the more our hearts are burdened for our city and for our state and for those who are lost in general. And so a big question that I would ask is, are you today? And I ask the same question of me. Am I drawing near to the Holy Spirit that my heart is like His heart? And if it's not, it's not because He's moving. <laughs> it's not because He's gone anywhere. It's because I have not drawn near to Him as I've been called to. And that's oftentimes the case for me. Is it? I'll say, I'm pretty comfortable right here. I'm pretty comfortable just showing up on Sundays. It feels pretty good to be in church on Sundays and to worship. 
and this was really good, and I can go out of here. And uh, a guy by the name of Mark Hall, who's the lead singer of Casting Crowns, once said, a sermon or a song can change your afternoon, but a moving of the Holy Spirit changes your life. So we can hear the songs or hear the sermons, but we need to be saying, okay, God, what are you calling me to do in response to what I've heard and how I've worshipped today? So I want to stop there for just a minute, let you kind of give some feedback there, because um, I want to be conscious. I haven't been al- really been able to do that over the last couple of weeks. So any thoughts? It doesn't have to be about this. It can be about anything. Uh, I'm willing. We can dialogue about some things, questions about the Holy Spirit. Um, I have a few other things that we can do, but I want to make sure that you you get some questions if you have them. So, any questions or any thoughts? Anything the Lord's pressing on you? Well, I'm struck that when um, the Holy Spirit comes to Cornelius, it comes to his household, mm-hmm. and that would mean right yeah. soldiers, servants, everybody. So it's not only the Gentiles; it's all the classes. Everybody, it's, yeah. Um, a real representation of mm-hmm. the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where it's it's pretty powerful to sit and you kind of just feel the the moving of the Holy Spirit in a place, like in a room or in a in a you know, if you're gathering in a maybe in a Bible study or in a worship time. The Holy Spirit is contagious. And so if somebody is Filled up with the Holy Spirit. So Cornelius, Peter's filled up with the Holy Spirit and he's proclaiming. Then Cornelius gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you got all these people who are around him going, Woohoo, I want what they got. Uh, and it just starts permeating out. And again, I think that's where, uh, Carolyn, great point that when we go into our city, if, if, we are, if we are pouring ourselves out and the Holy Spirit is permeating through everything that we do, it's the homeless, it's the prostitute. It's the businessman, it's the doctor, it's the nurse, it's the, it's the house mom, it's the, the, the mother, the, it's whoever. That Jesus is not, he's not limited. And the Holy Spirit is not limited in the moving. Um, but that when we start to permeate the Holy Spirit, it is contagious. We want more of it. Yes. So, I, I, I don't know if this is a question or a comment. So, what, what I think is interesting, right, is... It was very clear the centurion had been being prepared. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He had been working. He, there was a fertile ground there. Like going back to the yes. testimony, fertile ground. And if, by the time that Peter got there and had that conversation, there was a receptivity. Yes. Right? I think where, I'm not saying I'd do any of it right now, but if I go back to previously where I was a little more open, one of the challenges is it feels like a lot of times when you go to share your faith, uh-huh. right? it can come up when we're in college, for example, right? We go and we, on Saturday night or Wednesday, right? Yeah. It, was, it, it almost came across as superior or judgmental. Mm. I'm here for a moment, yeah. right? And I, and I think even in some of our other churches, it's we're going to do this every six months. It's like, look at these people coming in to have a conversation with me. Once yeah. I, what happens on the Wednesday when I, or the Tuesday at yeah. noon when I'm really having a hard time because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the question is, how do you balance being able to share versus the person's got to be in a relational place or you've yeah. got to have some sort of... Does that make sense? Absolutely. 100%. Yes. I, I, I We call it shotgun evangelism. Yeah. You know, when you kind of just shoot the shotgun, hope you hit, hope yeah. you hit somebody. Yeah. You know, um, I, I really don't like that kind of evangelism. And so I wouldn't advocate for that. I think when you're talking about sharing your faith with somebody... 
I'll tell you the way I would do it, and, and maybe that'll help make sense. And so, uh, and I've seen, I'll use Carol Ann as an example as well. I've seen her do this uh, on many occasions. But let's say you were to go out and you were, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to go share your faith with somebody on the street here. My, and, and they come to faith. My number one thing is, hey, can I get your number or your contact? I want to walk with you through the stories of Jesus. I think that's where the key is that they make a connection relationally with somebody. Instead of me saying, hey, by the way, here's the gospel. Good luck with it. Hope you find somebody that maybe can walk with you or to talk to you about the gospel. But to say in such a way that I believe that the gospel is relational, that when I share with somebody, they come to faith. Or even if they don't come to faith, I will oftentimes say, hey, do you mind if I follow up with you in a conversation? Can I get your phone number or can I get your email? Can, can we talk about this later? Or would you be open to just reading some stories about Jesus? Maybe you're not ready to commit your life to Jesus yet, but would you be willing to read some, read some stories about him? And let's just have an open, open conversation. I think that takes out the superiority com- complex in it of saying, hey, I'm right here with you. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that I'm better than you because I've got this, but I'm trying to say that I've discovered something that I think you would enjoy because I was right where you were that makes sense does that help answer that question yeah i don't think you ever i don't think it's effective and i've got a really good friend that they're doing in pelham they're doing some uh door to what what he's calling door-to-door evangelism in a um in a uh trailer park area um mobile home area and what they have done they've seen 32 people come to faith in in this process over the last six weeks uh coming to faith in this in this area and what he's done is that very same thing, is that they continue to go back, but they also continue to walk with the people who would say, I want to know Jesus. Okay, when can I meet with you? Let's talk about Jesus together. Let's walk in Scripture together. I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you uh, abandoned here, so you've got to figure it out on your own. Uh, they're very intentional in saying, hey, we've shared the gospel with you. Now we want to walk with you in the gospel. We want to be the church with you. And... Um, and, and gather with you in your homes and, and teach you what it means to, to follow Jesus. And I think that's what you see in the book of Acts as well. Is, so if you get past Cornelius' story, you begin to see people gathering in their homes uh, so that they're a community of people uh, who are supporting one another. And, it, and we know that in Acts 2 and 3, we see that you know, they gave to, to all as, as were needed and they gathered in the homes and they broke bread together and had fellowship together. They worshiped together. And so it was all these 3,000 people in the beginning all came to faith and it wasn't this, hey, good luck now, you guys got it. I think that, that is a, that's a travesty in the church if we were to say, okay, now we baptized you. Hope everything works out for you. Um, no, no, we baptize you. That, and that's one of the things I love about our baptismal vows is that we say we will walk alongside you in these things. Um, it is a two-way street. You know, the person has to be willing to walk with us. Um, but um, I, I never want to just do a shotgun evangelism and say, good luck, hope you find something out of this. Uh, I don't think that's effective. Um, good question. Other thoughts? Um, I, I have found that uh, I've wasted a lot less energy uh, when I just take a posture of, listening mm-hmm. uh, both to the Holy Spirit and to those around me yeah and to, to meet them where they're at mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 
100%. I don't think you have to... I find most of the time, if I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, it's because I've listened and the door is the door opens up. I don't have to push the I don't have to jam the door open. I don't have to ram through the door in any way. It's a it's very much a softening, like Cornelius's heart is being softened, or the person that I'm talking to, um, that they're being prepared, and it usually comes through listening, patience, um, just just being um, being present with with that person yeah i don't i don't disagree with that at all yeah other thoughts comments on the holy spirit um one more question yeah this is more of a knowledge-based question uh-huh so if i remember correctly part of the main thrust here paul's discord is right the approach of gentiles yeah so did did this change their dynamic moving forward like after peter had this because I mean, he still predominantly worked with with Jewish faith yeah. moving forward. So, did that change the dynamic? Do we know what happened? I, I think it did to some degree. We don't know a ton about that. Um, they did go separate paths, but I think you find, uh, I think this was a turning point for Peter to see the need for Gentiles to be. He'd heard it. He'd already heard that that Jesus was coming to all, right. to any. Um, but I think this was. The thing, you know, Peter. We know of Peter's um, character is that he's pretty stubborn, and and didn't didn't tend to do things uh, um, the first time he was told at times. And so, um, so I think you do see that dynamic. I think it it really opens the door there. Uh, a lot of people would say of this of this story, it it was the um, it was the chain that needed to be broken for the Gentiles to begin to. To uh, come to faith because it opened the door for Peter not only to look at them differently, but Paul's ministry to really take hold and to take and and then they began to support each other in, in both those things. I just wanted to, I guess, I kind of felt like Scott almost had a sense of humor in a way because Peter was the one that God used to open the door to the Gentile. Paul was the the Jewish leader, I mean, was the Pharisee, and then it, God kind of switched yeah. it. And then um, the uh, the the meeting in Acts chapter 15, where some of them were getting all upset, you know, you're not supposed to go to the Jews, and they shared what happened, and then they, you know, prayed, and they said, well, just tell them to abstain from fornication and eating blood, and eating dead things, you know, dead animals and all that stuff. Um, so, and then Paul, uh, Paul one times in one of the, I don't know what it was, one of the books or what the gospel, the, the letters or whether it was Acts, I can't remember, but he said he even got, kind of got in the face of Peter saying, you know, that when the, 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 the Jewish Christians came to town and were scolding them for eating with Gentiles. He said even Peter got carried away and he said, you know, and was kind of backing up and, you know, so anyway. Yeah. In, in Acts chapter 15, there's an interesting phrase here that he used. So they have this discussion. Paul and Barnabas are discussing about the Gentiles. 
And um, and it's brought up, brothers, listen, Simon has related how God first visited the Gentiles. And then he skips down here to verse 19. It says, therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from those things. That's what Caroline just mentioned. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. And so... I do think the door gets opened right there. They come back and they say, hey, Peter's shown us that through God that nobody's off limits for God to do the work. And then, of course, you're going to get the Ethiopian eunuch later with Philip. I mean, you, And so this is, this is truly the Great Commission, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so you've, you've got to, that, that's what you start to see in the book of Acts is that local, a little bit broader, and then Paul's ministry everywhere. Uh, and so that that's what you begin to see with the breakthrough of uh, of Gentiles converting, um, which is pretty fascinating. So, um, well, today again, I do have to go. Yeah, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for us. Um, I, I will say this: if you have, if you are at all, if the if the Holy Spirit's moving in you, um, and you want to say, hey, I want to put some of this into practice. I want to know how to do this better. I want to. Uh, you know, you maybe want somebody to walk alongside you on how to disciple others or how to come alongside others or even how to share your faith. Uh, you know, I, I often find that um, we can talk about our faith, but um, if we were to ask, how do you share Jesus with others? A lot of times we're not super comfortable because we haven't done it a lot. And so, and that's not a judgment on anyone, but that's just the more we do it, the more comfortable we get. And so uh, if, if that's something you're interested in or would like to, to know more about, uh, I have a pretty good, um, easy strategy to share the faith when the open door is there. It's very non-threatening, non-intimidating, and I'd love to teach it to you. Uh, if you're ever just, a, hey, I want to prayer walk around the city and talk to people about Jesus, come talk to me. Carol Ann does it. I know a lot. I do it quite a bit. And so uh, it's just something that uh, it's a great way to saturate our city with the Holy Spirit, just asking God to, to move. We get an opportunity to talk to people at times. Sometimes it's kind of like the battle of Jericho we're just marching around praying and we don't ever talk to anybody but we're praying for the city and so you never know what God's going to do when you start to do that and so uh, I encourage you if uh, if you're looking to do that come talk to me and we'll I, I want to get you in the game let you start uh, uh, joining with this vision of seeing the Holy Spirit move in our city and beyond so let me pray for us Jesus, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the story of Cornelius and how you showed that you uh, are, are not biased and that, God, the greatest of sinners can come to faith in you. I'm thankful that uh, I, I know I'm a story of that, that uh, I, like Paul, am a sinner among sinners. And uh, I thank you for your grace and your mercy today. Thank you that you're patient with me. Uh, even when uh, I stumble and fall, even when I don't have it all together, God, you continue to dig around and pour on the manure so that more fruit might be um, might come forth. So I pray that you would do that with each of us today. And we just give you thanks again for this time as we've talked about the Spirit. And Lord, I do pray for that one, two, three, however many it might be in this class today that would say, I want to I wanna, uh, put this into action. I want to see the Holy Spirit move in my own life and in the lives of others. Uh, God, that, that they would um, move into action. And that, Lord, we could spur them on to do that. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.